Today we're opening our Bibles to the, to the most, one of the most famous and, and well-loved passages in all the Bible, Psalm 23. This is, I know, the subject of last weekend's If Gathering, so if any of the women in the, in the room who were there, if you have any insights you want to just yell out, bring it on. That's great. We've called this series, that we're just closing out, we've called it, If I Were Being Honest. And we've called it that in part because that's what the Psalms are. The Psalms are honest reflections on life. They provide language for us in moments of triumph and pain. They, they guide us as we invite God in to the most intimate moments of our lives. The Psalms have been the honest prayer book of the faithful for a long time. We've also called our series this because a study in the book of Psalms is is a valuable opportunity for us to honestly reflect on the state of our own souls. If if you were being honest, how, how are you doing? Did you show up today feeling whole and full and, and rested? Have you experienced the goodness of God this week? Or maybe did you join us today feeling tired? Are you worn thin? Are you overscheduled? Are you, are you, are you wondering where relief might come from? No matter where you fall on that spectrum, the Psalms invite each of us to come into the presence of God honestly and be reminded of the goodness of the God who made us and the God who meets us wherever we are and gives us all we need. Often in rooms like this, it can be easy to to spend most of our time learning about God which is good. But it's also right and and good for us to simply step into the presence of God, not just knowing about, but knowing more than being informed. The Psalms invite us to be formed as we stand in the presence of God. To that end today, friends, will you hear the words of Psalm 23, a Psalm of David? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely your goodness and your love will follow me every day of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, may this be so.
As we stand in your presence today, help us to feel, to know, to experience the depth and breadth of your goodness. Lord, give us rest for our weary souls. Help us to see you, to be formed by you, today and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if I were being honest, when I'm at my worst, my life doesn't look a whole lot like the words I just read. It, it, sometimes I feel almost myself like the opposite. It's always been easy for me to get caught up in the achievement culture we live in. Sometimes I want to do well, I want to be great for my namesake. I've never really rested well. And, and in hard times, I, I can be a reasonably anxious person. At my worst, my life doesn't look a whole lot like Psalm 23. And I would venture to guess that, that others in the room might say the same. And so each of us were invited, as we read this beautiful poem, not simply to pray it for a moment. Instead, we're invited to hold it up to ourselves. It's a lens through which we can view ourselves in the world and bring clarity to every corner of our lives. It reminds us amidst the busyness of life that our Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. It reminds us in the midst of the pressure to achieve that we are in fact beloved sheep of a good shepherd who is leading us through life. Psalm 23 is not a prayer for a moment, it's glasses for your soul. It's a lens that helps you to see the world and our lives correctly again and personally at least, it's one that I need to hold up to myself almost every day. I have a one-year-old at home. Um, his name is Benjamin, he's the best. He learned to walk this week, so that's good. He's not here, he's not here. He can't receive your applause, but he's, he's doing good. Um, we love him, he, he's our first kid, and, and, and when we brought him home, we were so excited. And what, what would happen every night, every night for the first two months, I think, he would wake up in the middle of the night screaming, and I would be so eager to go help, whenever it was my turn at least. I would run in, and, and I would every single time forget to grab my glasses. And so I'd charge into his room, and I'd pick him up, and, and then I, I'd be in the dark, and I couldn't see anything, and so I was just feeling around trying to find the pacifier or the bottle or whatever I needed, and my wife would just laugh at me on the monitor. Um, I can't tell you how much better my middle-of-the-night experience got when I, I started to remember my glasses. I, I, I was still tired, but, but at least I could see, right? At my worst, I feel like I'm walking forward, stumbling through life without my glasses on. At my worst, I feel like I, I'm walking with cloudy vision. Maybe you walked into the room this morning feeling like your world feels cloudy. Like you're struggling to see the way forward and you're not sure where life is taking you. I'd like to invite you this morning to hold up the words of Psalm 23 to yourself. Use it as a lens. And be reminded that, 
that through the most challenging moments of life, words like this song, they give new sight to our soul. This has been a meaningful passage for me, and I'm still tired, but these words of Psalm 23 have always brought clarity to my soul. David begins, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. David starts this this poem with the, the simple and most challenging statement that the Lord is my shepherd. I would suggest that a right view of the world and our place in it begins with a right understanding of who we are in relation to the God who made us. He is our shepherd. We are but sheep. He leads us. He guides us. He cares for us. He defends us. He provides for us. We lack nothing because of the care of our good shepherd. He is the shepherd. I am in his care. This is something I need to remind myself of almost every day because I like to fashion myself as the hero of the story. I like to be the mover and shaker. I like to be a trailblazer. I like to have things all in control. And I I think that's pretty common. We're taught from a young age that we are the masters of our own destiny that we're the kings and the queens of our own little kingdom. God, he can come along. But we like to be the one with our hands at the wheel. Sociologist Christian Smith um, led a survey some 20 years ago that explored the professed faith of American young people across the whole country. And he interviewed thousands of people and he he came to the conclusion that most of the people he was interviewing um, communicated a view of God that held him to be some mixture of a divine butler, and a cosmic therapist. And now we might say, oh, those were teenagers. Surely their faith matured. He he did a a follow-up study just a couple years ago, and he found that those young people, now adults, really hadn't changed their views. And if God is my butler, I can be king, right? I can lead the way. I can make something great in my life. I can be the one who heals the world. I can make my own name great. This is a reflex, I think, in all of us. Since the dawn of time, people have been drawn into the temptation to make their own kingdoms, to make our name great. How much blood has been spilt and how many lives have been ruined in pursuit of greater control or power or prestige, or privilege. People across all time have crumbled as they've sought to take the place of God and be all things to all people, but we are not meant to carry the weight of the world in our hands. It will break us because we're not God. And if we insist on being kings and queens in our world, only inviting God to be our cosmic butler, we walk forward with clouded eyes into an impossible future. And so it is an immense grace that we are reminded that the Lord is our shepherd. On this verse, Dallas Willard says this. He says, in other words, I'm in the care of someone else. 
I am not the one in charge. I've taken my kingdom and I've surrendered it to the kingdom of God. I am living the with God life. He continues, the Lord is my shepherd and what follows from that? I shall not want. That is the natural result. I shall not lack anything. This is what Jesus teaches. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added when we allow God to take care of us as a shepherd cares for his sheep, we will step into the abundant peace and life that he offers us. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, will you come to Jesus, your good shepherd, and let him take from you the weight of the world you are carrying? I promise he will give you all you need. David continues, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I read this psalm with our middle school community two Sundays ago. And when we came to this section, I asked them, I said, do any of you ever feel kind of overscheduled or you ever feel busy or tired? And every hand went up. And so we talked about it, and, and a couple of students shared how they feel pressure to succeed. They feel like they just have to keep up. There's so many things they gotta keep up with. A couple other students talked about how they just feel busy. They're doing a lot of things. They, they, they're starting to feel worn thin. Another student said that he felt the weight of pressure to achieve. I wonder if you see yourself in them. As a pastor in this community, it's my privilege to get to know a lot of the folks in our congregation. And I can tell you what our middle schoolers communicate is is not unique to them. I hear reasonably often from folks a sense of fatigue. Not everyone. But we are very scheduled people. Spiritual director Susan Phillips challenges the prevalence of what she describes as life in the circus. In the circus... We're taken with spectacle. We, we perform for the audience and then we sit back and we consume in the circus. We rush around performing what's expected of us, but we never take time to rest and let our roots grow deep and breathe. Phillips counters that in her estimation, a life of abundance looks more like a garden than a circus. In the garden, we can lead a cultivated life. In the garden, we take time to grow our roots deep, to rest, to breathe deep and experience the goodness of life. In the garden, we are not just observers. We are participants 
We are not just watching and consuming, but we are actively experiencing and participating in the peace of God. Phillips concludes that life will most of the time pull us back towards the circus. But Christ invites us to an abundant and refreshing life with him in the garden. In the garden, we have all the sustenance we need. We are invited to rest beside still waters. This is where our good shepherd leads us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He doesn't invite us to. He doesn't suggest that we might or give us the opportunity to. He makes us lie down in green pastures because we are a busy people. And left to our own devices, we will spend our days in the circus. I will spend my days in the circus. Friends, will you today hear the Lord's invitation to stop? To slow down and be restored beside his still waters. In a particularly busy season of life for me recently, I was, I was talking to my spiritual director um, and just bemoaning the churn of life. And, and we had had this conversation before. I, I had ha- shared my complaints before. Um, and, and midway through our conversation, he just stopped me. He stopped me, he looked at me, and I said, Steve, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What sounds good to you? And I said, I don't know, Chuck. I just want to go sit in the woods somewhere and, and don't, not do anything. And he looked me in the eye, and he said, okay, go do it. He knew that I had time. I was busy. I had stuff going on, but I had 15 minutes. I got half an hour to walk to the forest preserve and rest for a second. What I had done is I had stopped listening to the voice of my good shepherd. I had let the voices of the circus drown it out. Our good shepherd invites us to rest. My good shepherd leads me to rest and he refreshes our souls. David continues, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The context within which David was writing, the the physical landscape in which he had personal experience being a shepherd himself looked nothing like Illinois in the springtime. When I think sheep, I think rolling green hills, but being a shepherd in Israel, they led their flocks through a barren and harsh wilderness. This is a picture of of a Palestinian river valley. There's green by the river and, and not a whole lot else. So a shepherd in such context wouldn't have the luxury of settling down long term in a lush field. Instead, a good shepherd would lead their flock from location to location. They would know where to find still water. They would know where to find good pasture. And left to their own devices, the sheep without a good shepherd would wander. And they would suffer in a harsh and barren land. But a good shepherd leads their flock with purpose. 
A good shepherd leads their flock with a plan, with a deep knowledge of the dangers of the road and a vision for the thriving of his or her flock. What a beautiful vision this is of our lives. We likewise journey into the unknown longing for rest. We long for purpose, for goodness, for ourselves and for our families and on our own, we can feel like we're at a loss to know the way forward. On our own, we can develop an us against the world mentality and just charge into the wilderness. But the promise of our God is that he leads us along right paths. He has a vision for your life. It's a vision for your life. You don't have to walk alone. He leads you along good paths, not for your glory, not to grow your personal influence, not to make your name great or make you rich and powerful. He leads you along right paths for his name's sake. He gives you a purpose greater than anything you could have on your own. He invites each of us to find our purpose in him. We find our purpose in following him. In our following the Lord's right path, we are invited to participate in the inbreaking of his good kingdom. And so as we follow, we follow knowing that we follow a good shepherd. We follow knowing that he is leading to a place of rest and purpose. And though the going will get hard, we can trust our good shepherd. And as David knew, and as we knew, we know the going gets hard. David continues, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me amidst the darkest and most challenging moments of our lives. We are invited to say along with David that we will not fear, not because the darkness isn't difficult, not because the darkness doesn't exist, but because he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. A rod was a weapon of protection. A good shepherd protects his flock from sheep who would, who would attack a staff is a tool for redirecting wayward sheep and if need be, yanking them back from the edge amidst the darkness of life. We are reminded that our good shepherd is with us. We are reminded of God's active presence. He's actively working to protect and to direct you along his good path. Maybe you walked into this room this morning weathering the storms of life. Maybe you don't see the way forward. Maybe you've been in that dark valley for a long time and aren't sure you'll even get out this side of heaven. May you be emboldened and know that God is with you in it.
God is with you in it. He is leading you forward. He is leading you to his green pastures. The Gospels tell a story of a storm. The disciples and Jesus get caught in on the Sea of Galilee. And the small ship that they're traveling in threatens to be overcome by the wind and the waves. And the disciples, they're rightly terrified and Jesus is asleep. Um, and so they, they rush to him and they grab him and wake him up and they yell in his face. They say, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we're gonna drown? I wonder if you've ever asked God that before. I have. I think it's a natural response in moments of darkness. And it's a response that the Psalms give us language to. How do we talk to God like that? Rembrandt gives us this beautiful image of this, this moment of jeopardy on the sea in his appropriately titled Storm on the Sea of Galilee. It's a picture of, of pure chaos. The disciples are rushing everywhere, frantically trying to save the ship. Some are, are bailing water out, some are, are grabbing the sails, trying to, to save them. Others are animatedly arguing with Jesus, except for one man right at the front. I wonder if you can see him. It's Peter. Peter stands right at the front with his hand on the rigging, looking out of the painting, making eye contact with each of us, the viewer. Rembrandt painted himself as Peter. With a white-faced look of steely resolve, holding his hat against the wind, Rembrandt did that to remind us that each of us will stand in Peter's place. In seasons of life, each of us will stand in the midst of the storm and the waves. But Rembrandt also wanted us to, to, to capture the truth that just like Peter, we in those moments can take courage because our Lord is on the ship with us. We will each face dark valleys. And we can know that God is in it with you. God is in it with us. Paul says this. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Psalm 23 invites each of us to be Peter in that painting. Even though we walk through the darkest valley, even though we weather the storm, we need not fear because our Lord is in it with us. He is walking on the sea towards us and not only is he in it with us, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil, our cup overflows. 
Y'all, God's not just with you in the dark valleys of life. God is preparing a feast for you in the dark moments of life. He is filling you. He is filling us to overflowing. He wipes the dirt from our wounds. And you know what we get to do next? What Jesus invites us to do, we get to love those same enemies out of the abundance that the Lord has given us. We are not alone in that dark valley. There are other people in there with us. Our neighbors, our kids' friends. Because the Lord has shown light into those dark places of our life, we likewise get to similarly be light in the world. Dallas Willard says this, he says, since I love my enemies, I would not feast upon a delicious meal in their presence and let them stand there hungry. The abundance of God's provision and safety in my life is so great that I would invite them to enjoy what God has prepared for me. Friends, we have the opportunity to invite even those we would count as enemies to the table of the Lord. We gotta be sheep who look around us and invite other sheep onto Christ's right path. We gotta be people who invite our worn down, overstressed, overworked neighbors to experience the goodness and peace of our Lord who leads us to still waters. David closes with what is in my estimation among the most beautiful lines in all of scripture. And if you hear nothing else today, hear these words. David says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May you know this truth. The love and the kindness of the God who made the universe will follow you all the days of your life, wherever life takes you. No matter how dark things seem, the goodness of our Lord, the love of our Lord will follow you and we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, you may today or sometime down the road feel like me stumbling around in the dark without my glasses on. You may in seasons not know the way forward. My prayer for you is that the words of this, po- this poem, this psalm would, be, would bring clarity to your eyes and that you would always be reminded that God is with you in it. As you hear these words one last time this morning, rest in them. Rest in the knowledge that your good shepherd is with you wherever you are on the path today, that he cares deeply for you. And he cares to restore your soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, may it be so. May we experience the fullness of your peace and your love today. As we walk out of this space, as we go back to our schools and our work and wherever we're going, God, may we walk as people of light, inviting others to your good path for your name's sake. And may we know even in the midst of darkest challenge that we need not fear because you are with us. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray together. Amen. Well, friends, as we continue in in a posture of of resting before the Lord today, our band's going to lead us in a reflection. And so I want to invite you to take a moment in just the quietestness of this space just for a few more minutes this morning. To just be still in the presence of your good shepherd. He cares for you. He's never left you. He gives rest to your soul. And he cares to restore your soul.